Last time I was up here was about a month ago, give or take, and um, I spoke about the concept of fear and the Lord, and where fear started, and how it affects our lives, both positively and negatively, what positive fear is, what negative fear is, or what it looks like, and the cost before the Lord for uh, the negative fear occurring specifically on a public level. We looked at the example of the spies located in Numbers uh, 13, uh, 1 and following, that went into the land to see what they uh, were up against in taking the land. These leaders from every tribe reported back. Ten said that they could not go against the people groups, for they were too big and too numerous. But two said that the Lord basically would do battle for them and spoke of trust in the Lord. Remember that the people just came out of slavery in Egypt for 400 years. God did amazing and miraculous deeds in freeing the slaves in the form of the ten plagues against Egypt. And then the two spies specifically are focused on this picture of the Lord where the miracles are occurring and this is who their God is and this is who they see him to be. And the other ten are stuck in the circumstances of the people and the fear that overtook them. The ten spies who spread fear among the people, along with this evil generation, the ones who um, followed them, basically it's a reference to the lack of trust and obedience, which came in the form of grumbling against God and his representative, who was Moses. This um, generation of Israelites drew down a curse from God. The ten spies died of a plague soon after, and not one of the generations of Israel went into the promised land except the two spies who spoke of trust in the Lord entered the land 40 years later. Only two out of that generation. So over the 40 years of wandering in the desert, of having God with them, through parallel pillar of fire at night and the cloud of smoke during the day, what changed? I believe they began to take God more seriously. I believe that they developed trust. And out of that trust came an obedience. And then out of the obedience came a greater level of trust, even in the face of doubt and fear. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this concept of trust. So what is trust? I believe trust is a human concept that I believe entered the world at the fall of man along with others such as shame and fear, doubt. I believe it falls in line with a nature or our nature of selfishness because trust is really about us first then collides with somebody else or another. Okay? I'll, I'll go further with this. Our language is I don't trust you. I can trust you, but I don't trust you. Right? Who's that about first? It's about me. Interacting with you. And am I going to be safe? Or the statement could be, he or she can be trusted. Right? So this is a statement that I am putting my seal of approval on the fact that I have interacted with this person and have learned who they are And I have developed trust for them, so it comes back to trust first being about us. 
trust affects our interactions with the object of our trust. Um, the more we trust, the more we interact. The less we trust, the more we draw back or more we avoid. Or the more we have barriers up because I can only trust you so far. The concept of trust involves the unknown. We really don't know, but we hope for the desired outcome. And when it occurs, um, or does not occur, we build a trust, or it's trust in levels. Okay? I trust you only here, or if it really occurs the way it was supposed to, I trust you a little more up here. And it's over a period of time that this occurs. So therefore, the need, there is a need for a greater level of information that, to be gathered, um, which involves verbal communication, and it also involves follow-through of the person who is stating what they're going to do, or a lack of follow-through because, again, trust in levels. Okay? And then it involves a checking and a rechecking and a validation of and consistency of what is being stated. Trust is always in some way, I believe, being tested. So, trust is defined as follows. A person on whom one relies. So, how do we know we rely on that person? How do we know when something's changed? Because it can change. Reliance on integrity, strength, ability, surety of the person, and then hope for something. Our faith is based in Christ being the Messiah, God's only Messiah, and his work establishing our hope for salvation in the resurrection. Okay? We are trusting that everything God did and sent him to do was what was necessary. And our following him will eventually end in the resurrection. So I hope you see an inherent error in the issue on trust because it is based that on typically that which is fallible, meaning us. Okay? Typically. Remember that I said I believe that this is a human concept. I say this because I do not believe the Lord needs the concept of trust. Remember the concept of trust involves the unknown. Sure, we look at people's patterns but we really do not know what that person will do, what they will think, who they really are. This is the unknown I'm really talking about. But God does not need uh, the outcome. God does know the outcome before it ever happens. He knows who we are, the decisions that we will make um, before we are confronted with any issue that we have to make a decision on. There is no one known for the Lord. He knows all from the beginning of time to the end of time. The Lord does not need to trust in us for that reason. But we do need to trust in him. Okay? And in fact, the only infallible object that will ever be of our trust is the Lord. If we're having to trust on another human, humans are fallible. We're not going to be 
able to do everything we say we do, we're not going to be able to do what the Lord is able to do. If we are trusting on the Lord, there is no, it's all completely infallible. Because what he says he will do, he will do. Other words and phrases that would be looked at as trust. Uh, in Genesis 6-8, we were talking about Noah earlier in the readings. Uh, Genesis 6-8, it talks about Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Favor is easily defined as Noah trusted God and he was obedient to God and therefore found favor in the eyes of God. Genesis 17-1 talks about Abraham is told by God to walk before him and be blameless. This idea of being blameless would suggest to be trusting of God and to be obedient toward God. So how is trust built? It is about our words and our behavior. And how I like to explain this when I'm at work with the kids that I work with is this, and Starbucks is a big thing for these guys. They like the caffeine rush. So I will tell them, I do this whole example, I say, okay, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pick on you, Katie. I'm going to tell you that on Wednesday at 4 o'clock, I will meet you at Starbucks every week, and I will buy. Okay? Based on what you already know about me, you'll either show up or not show up. Okay? Am I a person of my word, or am I a person not of my word? Which do you trust, right? If you trust that I'm going to purse my word, you'll be there at 4 o'clock. If you kind of trust that I'm going to purse my word, you're going to hope that I'm going to follow through and you may be there at 4 o'clock, right? If you don't trust what I say, probably not going to be there. Make sense? So it's going to, how you trust me is going to affect your behavior in relationship to me, okay? So what happens if for two, three weeks, I show up, four o'clock, boom, I'm there, I buy you a drink, we sit and chat for a while, and then we move on. The fourth week comes, I don't show up. And I don't call. And you're there, and you're like, uh, where is he? Right? We hope that in the process of this establishing and maintaining trust between human beings, that I will have some type of valid reason, a reasonable response that explains why I'm not there. Make sense? And if it's reasonable, the following week, you'll probably show back up. If it's not reasonable, you'll probably check to see if I'm there or you're not going to show up at all. So, how I follow through with what I say and how you see those things is going to affect how you respond to me in trusting what I do and what I don't do. So, the question really about trust is, how often do my words and behaviors match? Okay? This builds a concept of what I, I can be trusted to do this, um, to do what I say, I will all the time, or I'll do it part of the time, or I can be trusted to not do what I say I will do, and there may be some variance found with inside those things. With humans, there is always a checking process or confirming that I am doing what I say, and when I don't, is there a valid reason that explains the deviation from my behavior? If we go back to Deuteronomy 1.20... We go back or we go to 
This is a really a retelling. I'm going to, I'm going to read it because it's a little shorter version of the other. It's a retelling of the story of the, the spies going into the land in Numbers 13. Starting in verse 20. If I can find my 20. Here we go. I said to you, you have come to the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is about to give us. See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Go up, take possession of the Lord, of the, excuse me, go up, take possession as the Lord your God, your Father, has spoken to you. Do not fear, be dismayed. First of all, we have the people and the Lord. And the Lord is stating straight out what he is going to do. He is going to give this land to them. They have to go in and go take possession of it. Okay? Then all of, then all of you appeared, uh, approached me and said, Let us send men before, um, before us that they may search out of the land for us and bring back to us word of the way by which we should go up to the cities which uh, we shall enter. The thing pleased me, and I took twelve of, uh, of your men, one man from each tribe. They turned, and they were the leaders of the tribes. They turned and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and spied it out. They then, um, then they took some of the fruit of the land and their hands and uh, brought brought it down to us. And they brought us back a report and said, it is good land which the Lord our God is about to give us. You were, um, yet you were willing not to go up, and, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he brought us out into the land of Egypt to, to deliver us into um, the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Um, our brethren have made up our hearts, uh, melt, or made our hearts melt, saying the people are bigger, taller than we. And the cities are larger, fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the uh, Anakim there. Then I said to you, Do not be shocked nor fear them. The Lord your God, who goes before you, will himself fight on your behalf just as he did for you in Egypt before you saw, uh, before you saw how the Lord your God ca- uh, carried you, just as the man carries his son in all the ways which you have walked until you came to the place. But for all this, you did not trust the Lord your God who goes before you on your way to seek out the place for you to encamp in fire by night and cloud by day, to show you the way in which you should go. Therefore the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I uh, swore to give your fathers, except Caleb the son of uh, Jephunneh, and uh, he shall see it. And to him, to his sons, I will give the land on which he... uh, has set foot because he has followed the Lord fully. So it's a retelling of the story in Numbers 13. They came to the hill country, the Amorites, which the Lord told them he is going to give them. Were they trusting God? No. Caleb, Joshua were. 
but the people as a whole were not. So if their trust was in the right place, they know what to expect and what will happen based on what God said he would do. So at the time of the story in this Numbers, they had, the Jews had just come out of Egypt where God said he would do the following. In the case of each plague, God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him what is about to happen. Now, I doubt that was in private. And knowing how things get spread, somebody, I guarantee, went back and told the Jews what was about to happen. And they're seeing it. And they're seeing what God says, and they're seeing what he is doing. Right? His words and his behavior are matching. When he gets to the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn, this is directly told to the Jews. You will do this job. You will put blood on your lentils and doorposts of your house. Knowing what the outcome is going to be if you don't. And I would suggest some did it out of fear because they didn't want to die because they're seeing all these plagues going, oh my gosh. right? Others did it out of obedience because they knew the Lord. They trusted what he was going to do. And they trusted him at his word. And it affected their behavior. Next it was followed, once they were out of Egypt, the next was followed up by the miracle of the Red Sea, where the Red Sea was divided open and they crossed on dry land. And they're getting to the other side and the Pharaoh and his army comes in behind them. And God drowned them. Protecting his people. This is the stuff they are seeing. If the people were really paying attention, they should be getting that God will do battle for them. Instead, they grumble and spread fear. In Numbers 21, Numbers 21, 5 through 9, we find the story of the fiery serpent. The people spoke against God and Moses. We're back to this again. Why have you brought us out of Egypt? Egypt was such a great place. I think I want to go back. Right? They want to go back because they knew what they to expect. It wasn't good. It wasn't wonderful. It wasn't the land of milk and honey. It wasn't freedom under which the God is going to give them the laws at which they will follow so they will please him. It was a place of torture, a place of servitude. But they knew what to expect. So they want to go back. And the ones that most likely wanted to go back were going to be benefited by the Egyptians. For there is no... Uh, let's see, where is it? Uh, why have you brought us up to the Egypt, uh, Egypt to die? or out of Egypt to die in the wilderness, for there is no food, no water, and we loathe this miserable food. There's no food, but there's food, right? What is the food that they're loathing? The manna, a perfect, complete nutritional element. Does it taste great? I don't know, I've never had it. But apparently, as humans, we get really bored with the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? 
That's why there's so many different restaurants out there making so many different types of food. But they grumbled. The Lord sent, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people in Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a standard, and it shall come about that everyone who is bitten, who he, uh, when he looks at the, the statue, the bronze serpent, he will live. And Moses said, uh, sorry. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it up in the standard. And it came about that if a serpent bit any man, when he looked on the bronze serpent, he lived. So the people were dissatisfied with the food they ate. They grumbled against God and Moses again. God sent the fiery serpent in the midst to correct the behavior. Many died in the process. Again, they came back to Moses, telling him uh, that we sinned. God told him to make a statue, put it on a pole, put it in the middle, and any time you move, that went with you. And when someone was bitten, all they had to do was look at the serpent, and they would live. A picture of God's salvation. Who should be getting the glory of it? The Lord. Where should the trust be being built? For the Lord. This trust is built to God in some degree, but eventually the trust transfers to what they see, to the serpent itself. Eventually, approximately a thousand years later, when Hezekiah, um, or Hezekiah tore it down because the people were burning incense, which is a form of worship, to the bronze servant. Their trust that originally was established with God was now misplaced to what they saw. We are asked to put trust in a God that we cannot see, understand little about, and don't always see the work of his hands in our lives. Not always an easy thing to do. To build trust with a person that we see and physically interact with, like amongst us, requires the following. A willingness to spend time with the person. A willingness to reveal yourself to the person and have them reveal themselves about themselves to you. A desire to understand the other person. So it's going to take effort, contemplation, thought, interaction, observance, so on. There's a need for both to open up, a need for vulnerability, a need to identify patterns of behavior and how it relates to the person's words, uh, and self-revelations. So if we are to be successful, right, that's a lot to do just for us and another person, especially when we're all fallible. And yet, humans need trust. So if we are to be successful in our walk in faith with the Lord, we must build trust in Him. Trust will affect our behavior and strengthen our obedience in faith, and our obedience in faith will strengthen our trust in the Lord. In spite of things 
that scare us, in spite of things that tear us down. So, we must recognize the entirety of this scripture is God revealing himself to us. Who he is, what he desires, and how we need to respond to please him so that he can reward us. We need to recognize his patterns and consistency in moving toward his outcomes and his willingness to interact with us. We would suggest that, I would suggest that what changes in his revelation, right, because he is unchangeable, so it's not his revelation that's changing, it's our knowledge, maturity, and understanding that changes as we mature. We need to continue to spend time in prayer, as I said, in dealing with fear, in reading, and then doing the scripture. If we just read and contemplate and never put it to effect in our life, we will never mature. We will know things, but we won't really know them. Because we will not know where the pitfalls are in the process. We will not know what the struggles are going to be. We need to be persistent, and this is part of our praise time that we really need to make uh, use of, and I think we do at times, many times, but we need to be persistent in recognizing what God is doing among us and sharing that. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, we know what this is. It's the Shema, but I want to read it. comes back and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them, on, uh, bind them as a sign on your hand, and as they be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we are constantly to be teaching our children who the Lord is, how to fear Him appropriately. When we sit down, when we walking by the way, so inside the house, outside the house, with other people, with our children, when we lay down, when we rise up, that pretty much covers the entire day. It should be constant that we are, it is in our head that we are striving to teach who he is. Hebrews 2, 12 and, uh, 12 and 13. 
says this, I will proclaim your name, the Lord's name, to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in God. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. I will teach them to trust the Lord. I would suggest that these two scriptures work in hand. One is the constant teaching, constant knowing. Okay? The other is the goal. We must effectively teach our children so that they will not turn from the Lord as they grow. To do this, our children must trust us. And what we're saying and what we're teaching them is accurate. They will first learn about the Lord through us, our obedience, our trust, our struggles, and our praises. They will do this through observation and interaction with us. Even when we are struggling, they're watching. And I believe it's okay to share our struggles, age appropriately, with our kids so that they understand that we don't know it all, but we're struggling to keep going down that road to follow the Lord. I think it's healthy. As humans, we believe in a manner, as humans, we believe or behave in a manner typically begins to build trust for ourselves within our children. A baby communicates what it needs in a very cryptic language called crying, right? We don't understand that. But it's a language that we must decipher. As we learn which need is relevant at the moment that they're crying, we are better able to meet the child's needs building the foundations of trust. The child at that age does not understand the concept of trust, but the foundations begin. The children learn to trust how we respond and act through our observation and interaction of us. Variance in this could include things like when a disease is, uh, is uh, present such as narcolepsy or is involved in the type of addiction which affects the consistency of the patterns of behavior and maybe even a significant lack of confidence or fear of the person in interacting and being a parent with the child and how they respond it will um, how they respond to the needs of the child which affects their expectations, the children's expectations, many times not knowing what to accept, expect, especially when they're dealing with somebody with addiction. They don't know what that person's going to do. They don't know how they're going to respond. There's no expectations, consistent expectation when they come in and say, look, I got an A. Are they going to get screamed at? Are they going to get praised? Or, you know, they don't know in those settings. So those things will affect the um, expectation and the consistency and, and building of trust. The Deuteronomy 6 passage that we just read a few minutes ago states that we need to teach our children diligently, again, sitting in the house, walking along the way, lying down, rising up. Pretty much covers the entire day that God is every, in everything that we strive to do. Our children will observe us and see how we respond to stressful situations. Where is God with us? They will listen to how we talk and find where God is for us and how they begin to relate to him. They will listen to our teaching and see if we follow what we teach about God, truly believing or trusting. Are we truly believing or trusting? Our children will develop their trust for God first through us 
and then as they choose or not choose to struggle in their own walk in faith. And I have to say that not choose because it does happen. God forbid it happens, but it does happen. Last scripture, Proverbs 3, 1 through 8, and I'll close with this. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and and years of life and peace that will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own expect, uh, your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your body and refreshment to your bones. Sometimes our trust is faced against doubt. Because we deal with the unknown. God doesn't. Even when we fear, we need to trust in who he is, who he's revealed himself to be, and we need to keep moving forward his direction. Let's pray.